Good morning, everybody. It is a pleasure um, to have you with us. I must say, it's still really strange having people staring at me. I'm used to just the camera being in the middle, but it is great um, to see everybody here in the building and also a very warm welcome to everybody who is online with us this morning, the second Sunday of Easter. We come in a more sombre mood today. The excitement of Easter past we return to normal life. But for Jesus' followers after that first Easter, life would never be the same again. Their new life with the risen Lord was just beginning. Let us stir ourselves to remember that we are children of the resurrection and we approach our Lord with senses alert to the new life and lessons he has to share with us today. So let's take a moment to remind ourselves that God's presence is with us. Lord, we come to you as children to their loving parent. We share the ups and downs of our lives with you. When we cry on your shoulder, may we know the comfort of hearing your call to us tenderly by name and the new dawn of resurrection in our lives. A collect of the day. Risen Christ, whose absence leaves us in despair, but whose presence is overwhelming. Breathe on us with your abundant life, that where we cannot see, we may have courage to believe that we may be raised with you. Amen. We've come to that time in our service, a time of confession. And we believe in a God who doesn't miss a thing. So let us take a moment to think about things that we have done this week that perhaps we shouldn't have, or things that we should have done that we didn't. Jesus Christ, risen Master and triumphant Lord, we come to you in our sorrow for our sins and confess to you our weakness and unbelief. Like Mary at the empty tomb, we fail to grasp the wonder of your presence. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Like the disciples behind locked doors, we are afraid to be seen as your followers. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Like Thomas in the upper room, we are slow to believe. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. May the Father of all mercies cleanse us from our sins and restore us in his image to the praise and glory of his name through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our psalm appointed for the second Sunday of Easter is Psalm 133. It's quite a short psalm, but it has a brave meaning for us this week in our country. This psalm is a psalm of wisdom. It's a psalm where God's people will be blessed in testing times if they live in unity. Unity is something that we have all seen on the news this week. So as we say this psalm together, let's remind ourselves of that. 
When the oil and dew flow down, they symbolize grace flowing from heaven to earth on a united people. So we say together, Psalm 133, how good. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the colour of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Amen. We have come to that time in our service where we usually have quite a short little talk. Um, but this morning I want to talk to you about something that I love. I'm going to give you some facts to see if you can guess what it is. They have been in business for 124 years. The product is sold in over 200 companies. And Santa liked it so much that he changed his suit to red. Can anybody guess what it is? Coke. Yes, it's Coke. Who likes it? Hands up if you like Coke. Yep, we've got a good few. Somebody not too sure at the back. Why is it so nice? Anybody know why it's so nice? The sugar and the taste, isn't it? It's the taste whenever it hits your mouth. Well, today I have three different varieties of Coke. And I'm going to invite Daniel, who is in my bubble, up. And he is going to see if he can tell the difference between my three varieties of Coke. So, Daniel, come on up. Okay, so this is number one. If you want to give it a smell, see if you can guess. Well, you see, Daniel used to work for Coca-Cola, so Daniel should know the difference. So let's see. Can you tell the difference by smelling them? Yes. Yes, okay. Let's give them a taste. I don't know what one it is, though. You don't know what one? Smell it. Okay, but you know that there's a Coke in there yeah. and there's a non-Coke in there. Okay. We'll go with one. Go with one, give it a taste and see. Okay, it's not that one. <laughs> contender. <laughs> okay, contender. Okay, yeah, I think it's number two. It's, well done, it is number is it? two. Does anybody know what the motto is for Coca-Cola? They have loads of slogans, but they have only ever had one motto. And their motto is, it's the real thing. It's the real thing. This reminds us of our God. Just like Coca-Cola, he is also the real thing. He is living today and he wants to help us and have a relationship with us. 
Daniel wasn't too sure when he smelt the Coke. He couldn't tell 100% which one it was. But it was only whenever Daniel tasted the Coke was he able to tell which one was the actual brand. You see, we won't know what God is like unless we taste him and we find out more about him. There is a passage in Psalm 38 verse 4 that says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. We won't know him unless we taste and see what he is really like. And once you experience God and find out what he is like, you'll realise that he is also the real thing. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are living, that you are resurrected, that you are active in our lives. Father, as we go throughout our week, we pray that you would show us that you are the real thing, that we would take time to taste and see that you are good and that you only want the best for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Eleanor is going to give us our reading for this morning. This morning's reading is taken from John chapter 20, starting at verse 19 to 31. Jesus appears to his disciples. It was late that Sunday evening, and the disciples were gathered together behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities. Then Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. After saying this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were filled with joy at seeing the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive people's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. Thomas said to them, Unless I see the scars of the nails in his hands, and put my finger on those scars, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later the disciples were together again indoors, and Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but Jesus came and stood among them, and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, look at my hands, then stretch out your hand and put it on my side. Stop your doubting and believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Do you believe because you see me? How happy are those who believe without seeing me. In his disciples' presence, Jesus performed many other miracles, which are not written down in this book. But these have been written in order that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through your faith in him you, will, you may have life. Thank you, Eleanor. As we come before God's word, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that we are able to gather 
whether it be in person or online, that we are able to look at your word together, to praise you, to thank you, and to worship you. And as we come before your word now, we pray that we, you would open our eyes to see you, open our ears to hear you, and reveal to us what you need each of us to individually hear this day. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been one week, one week since Easter, one week since the chaos and the excitement, one week since the risen tomb, the empty tomb, and one week since, alleluia, Christ is risen. It's been one week after the resurrection, and in this passage we see that the disciples are in the very same place that they were that Easter night. They're in the same room behind the same locked doors. You see, Easter isn't a holiday to be remembered or even to be recalled each year. Easter is a reality that we are to experience each and every day of the year right beyond into eternity. So if the resurrection is such a big deal, such a life-changing event, why are the disciples still stuck in the same place? What difference has the empty tomb made? Has it changed them? Has it let them see themselves and their world differently? Has it done anything for them? It doesn't look as if it's made much difference. They're in the same house behind the same doors. So what's changed? I wonder one week after Easter for us, what has Christ's resurrection done for you and for me? Is your life any different? Do you see and engage in the world in new ways? What difference has the empty tomb made to you over this past week? I don't know about you, but my life looks exactly like it did last Sunday and even before that. The world looks pretty much the same as it did before. We can hear today's passage and we can be really critical of the disciples. They're in the same place. They should have done better. Death has been defeated. They should know this. Why aren't they living their lives differently? Why aren't our lives different after Easter? Why am I still stuck in the same place? We say to ourselves, I should be doing better. I should be living the resurrection life more fully than I am. After all, the Lord is risen indeed. But John is saying four things to us in this passage. He's saying firstly that the resurrection of Jesus is a big deal. Now I'm sure there are some things in your life that is a big deal. For me, there's one story that comes to mind. I was in P1 a very, very, very long time ago. And my mum had bought me this Barbie watch. It was pink, it was glittery, it was anything a girl could dream of. And when I was sitting doing my work in P1, 
a girl came along and she took the wash off me and claimed it as her own. So when I told the teacher, the teacher didn't believe me because the watch wasn't on me. And I was trying to explain that she had taken it from me and this was a big deal for me. But in hindsight, looking back now, it was a watch at the time that probably cost £2.50. It was not a big deal, but to me, it was. What else is John saying? He's saying that the empty tomb is life-changing. Have you had any things happen to you this week that is life-changing? I know we have. I think some of you know by now that we got a puppy this week. We got Rory, who is a Cocker Spaniel. And let's just say our life has changed. No more lions, may I say. We are up at least four times a night making sure that he is okay and going to the toilet and is eating and drinking. It is literally like having a toddler in the house. I think Daniel will agree. Whereas there's no going back to those days of lions and the empty tomb is life-changing. There is no going back. John is also saying that it makes a difference that your life should be changed because of it forevermore. But finally, John is saying that it takes time. We all know that saying, Rome wasn't built in a day. Well, the resurrection life, it takes time. It's not a one-time event. It's something that we grow into. It's a process. It's a way of living and a way to be lived out. By the grace of God, we evolve into the resurrected life through people and through the circumstances in our lives. Maybe we need to let go of the fact that the empty tomb and start claiming the story of the resurrection. You see, there's a difference between facts and between story. Facts are dimensional, stories are multi-dimensional. Facts form the mind, they inform the mind. Stories touch your heart. Facts, they transmit information. Stories transform our lives. Think about it like this. A fact is static. It's like a snapshot of something, a particular moment in time. A story is dynamic. It's like a movie that touches your heart and moves across time. The empty tomb is fact, but the resurrection is the story. The resurrection life is not easy. We were never promised it would be. I wonder sometimes if we come to Easter Sunday and we wake up to the empty tomb expecting to wake up on Monday morning to a whole new life and a whole new world. I'm guessing that like me, you woke up on Easter Monday with the same life in the same world as Good Friday. It's not because the resurrection has failed, but it's because resurrection life takes time. The facts, the empty tomb, are just the starting point of the story. Whatever facts that you woke up to on Easter Monday are simply the starting point of your resurrection life. Too often, however, we take facts and turn them into a story. Isn't that what we've done with Thomas in this passage? 
I wonder what facts come to mind whenever you think of the disciple Thomas. Perhaps many of us are thinking he's the doubter. In verse 25, he says, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. Thomas doubted may be the only fact that comes to mind. And it's so prevalent that we call him Doubting Thomas. What if the fact, however, is that this is just the starting point of Thomas's resurrection life? What if this, Doubting Thomas, is not the whole story? What if we st where we start is less important than where we go in the end? You see, Thomas wasn't a coward. In chapter 11, verse 25 of John, he says, let us go that we may die with him. That doesn't sound like a doubter or a coward or someone who doesn't believe in Jesus. I wonder, do you know what happened to Thomas in the end, where he died? He died in India. He was an apostle to the people of India. He had brought the, the gospel of Christ to India. He died a martyr after he was run through with five spears by five soldiers. It doesn't sound much like a doubter, does it? It sounds like someone who grew and changed, someone for, from whom the resurrection of Christ was real, someone from whom the empty tomb made a difference. It took just a little time, as it does for most and maybe even all of us. We know Doubting Thomas, but let's not forget Confessing Thomas, who is also in this passage. Between Doubting Thomas and Confessing Thomas, Thomas is the story of the resurrection life. Thomas in verse 28 says, My Lord and my God. All that stuff about doubting, the fact of his disbelief, is just Thomas's starting place. Nothing more and nothing less. It's neither good nor bad. It's his starting place. And we all have starting places. So what's your starting place? What are the facts of your life today? The starting place for the story of our resurrection is wherever we are at this moment in time. If it's loneliness, if it's sorrow, if it's loss, then that's your starting point. That's the room where Christ enters. If you are in fear, if you're in confusion and darkness, that's your starting point. That's the place where Jesus stands with you. If you're ill, perhaps you're old in age, you have a disability, or there's uncertainty about the facts of your life, that is your starting place. That is exactly where Jesus shows up. If you're lost, you're betrayed, you're overwhelmed by everything, that is the house that Jesus enters. But perhaps you're joyful, you're grateful, you're in a time of celebration, that they are the facts of your life. And that 
is the starting point of your resurrection life. The great tragedy is not that the disciples are in the same place behind the same locked doors because that's just their starting place. The tragedy will be if the disciples refuse to unlock the doors, they refuse to open the doors and they refuse to get out of that house and go tell everybody about their resurrected life. So what are the doors that are locked in your life? What are the things that have kept you stuck in the same place? That's just your starting place. Don't judge it, whether it's good or bad, whether it's right or wrong, it's just the place that you are in. And it's the exact place that Christ shows up. It happened twice today in today's reading. Both times the disciples are in the same house behind the same locked door and Jesus shows up. He stands in the midst of them. The walls and the locked doors of their house could not keep Jesus out. And the walls and locked doors of your house will not keep him out. He steps into the midst of our house through the locked doors wherever we are. He breathes peace and life into us. He breathes peace and hope into us. He breathes peace and courage into us. He breathes strength into us. And that breath of peace is what unlocks the door. So right now, wherever you are, let's take a big deep breath. Let's take it all in and let it fill and enliven you. Let it give you hope and courage, strength to unlock the doors of your life. Thomas may have been slow to believe, but he was not slow to grasp the implications of Christ's resurrection. Thomas rested on the solid rock. So the challenge today is, what about us? What about you and what about me? Verse 29 says, Then Jesus told them, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. We can be a part of that blessed company. This, in a sense, is Jesus' final beatitude that someday we will share in his likeness of the resurrection. So let's challenge ourselves, let's identify our starting place and let's open the doors to our resurrection story. Because Easter isn't just for one week or one specific day, it's to be lived out throughout eternity. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that wherever we are, that you show up. That you see everything in our lives. You don't judge it, but simply you be there with us in it. And so, Father, as we go out into the world today, help us to identify the facts of our life, the starting place, wherever we are right now, and help us shape and mould that into a resurrected life. Lord, we know that life isn't easy. You never promised us that it would be. But we have you right by our side, enabling us to do it. So encourage us, 
strengthen us and equip us to live a resurrected life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning in thanksgiving. We bring to our minds anything that we are thankful for. We glorify you and all that you provide for us. Lord, we thank you for things that we often take for granted in life. Essentials that are deemed luxuries for others. Lord, we thank you for shelter, for clean water. We thank you for our food to nourish us. We thank you for clothing, for family and for friends. And we thank you that we are able to come before you and pray without fear of persecution. Father, we give you thanks for who you are, that you sustain us, that you are by our side every day. Lord, even though we cannot see you, we believe and trust that you are there. Easter God, in this wonderful festival, we remember how the stone was rolled away from the tomb on that resurrection morning. The tomb was empty, death defeated, Jesus alive. We bring to you now some of the things that lie in a different kind of tomb. Things which we worry about, which lie in dark places in our hearts, and seem impossible at times to solve. We ask you to roll away the stones from in front of these problems so that your Easter light may shine through. So may your will be done and your kingdom come. Loving Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for children for their joy, their energy, and smiles. Lord, you know every detail of their thoughts and their feelings. You know exactly how they've been feeling with a change of routine and a new normal to adjust to. As all children head back to school tomorrow, we pray that you would be their author of peace and calm any nerves or worries. Be their guide and their comfort and protect them. We give you thanks for teachers, teaching assistants, administration staff, and all who work in schools for their work and dedication. May they know that they are greatly appreciated. We pray also for special needs schools who continue to operate through this lockdown. In an environment where it is difficult to socially distance, we pray that you would sustain all staff members and bless each child in their learning. 
Lord of life, we give you thanks that we are made in your image to reflect your light and love. We pray for all those who have lost loved ones, for all who grieve, that they would know that you wipe every tear away. Your son wept at the grave of Lazarus, and so as a country we mourn for the death of Prince Philip. We give you thanks for his life, his character, his devotion to our Queen and his service. We pray that you would comfort the Queen, her family, and all those who mourn this day. We pray this knowing and trusting that because of your son, death has no sting. This earthly life is not the end. And so we joyfully look forward to the day when we are joined as one with you. Father of peace, we lift up to you our country. In a time of unrest, a time of fear, a time of disunity. Lord, we pray that by your spirit you would intervene. Father, we pray for those causing this disunity. Father, we pray that their eyes would be opened to your will, to your way. That they would know that this is not your plan. Father, we pray that you would give them a change of heart. We pray that we would have a community where we respect one another where we give each other dignity and that although we have differences that we would be united with you. Father, we pray for peace. We pray that your kingdom come, your will be done in Northern Ireland, on earth and in this world, wherever there is disunity, that you would bring unity. Healer God, we thank you that you have sustained us through this time of the pandemic. Never would we have imagined that it would have gone on for as long as this. But Lord, we give you thanks that there is light in a sense at the end of the tunnel. Father, we thank you uh, for all our key workers, especially those working within the health industry and including those in supermarkets. We give you thanks for each and every person that has brought hope and light into the pandemic situation. Lord, we give you thanks for the rollout of vaccines. And Lord, we pray that they would continue to evolve. Father God, we pray for all who make important decisions in this pandemic and our lockdowns. We pray that you would guide them, that you would give them hope. Lord, when they are judged with every word that they say, may they know that they are not judged by you. 
that you will guide them into what is good and what is right for the country. Lord, we hold on to the fact that you are our hope. You are our light at the end of the tunnel. And so we pray that regardless, wherever we are, whether we've had vaccines or not, whether we are still sick with COVID, whether we have lost someone to COVID, that you are with us in our midst. Let us not lose that. Equip us to be your light and your life in the world to come. And we pray the prayer together that our Father once taught us. Our Father, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Before uh, we leave the building this morning, there are just a few short announcements about things that are upcoming. Next Sunday, the 18th of April, we are going to be starting our new sermon series. And that is on the book of Ruth entitled, The Best is Yet to Come. We'd love you to join us, whether it be online or in person for that at 10.30 a.m. And we'll be going uh, with our Ruth series deeper in our life groups. Life groups happen on Wednesday evenings. We've been doing that via Zoom. Um, that is an opportunity just for us, in a sense, to do a Bible study, to go a little bit further into what we have talked about on a Sunday, but do that more informally in smaller groups. If you'd like to be a part of Life Groups and you haven't been before, you're more than welcome. Just send us a little message and we will get you linked in with that. Life Groups are going to be returning on the 21st of April um, at the usual time of 8 o'clock. Um, so that will be the after next Sunday we'll be returning. The Easter General Vestry this year is actually happening uh, around Easter. <laughs> um, so we're going to be meeting on Sunday the 25th of April straight after this service. It'll be short but it'll be our Easter Vestry for this year. Our children's ministry, which is known as DVK, are continuing with their Zoom online. We're taking a little well-earned break um, and we'll be back on the 23rd of April, but I'll send a little message out to all parents closer to the time just to remind you when we'll be meeting. And our youth ministry, which is known as DVY, we will be continuing our Alpha series. We're going to be back on the 16th of April, which is this coming Friday night at 8 o'clock, and we'll be looking at faith and how we can have it. If you need any links for anything or have any questions about any of that, please do send us a little message. So as we leave this morning, we go into the world to walk in God's light, to rejoice in God's love and to reflect God's glory. Amen.